Bethany. And I'm Joel. And this is Sunday School Cinema. Hooray! Change of plans. We lied to Change you last episode. <laughs> I did. <laughs> we really, it's where we lost now? track. Well, we're, well, next time we're watching The Savages. Um, we're, we're watching what? Oh, right. Yeah, savages. yeah, The Savages. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was what we promised last week or last episode. Which is very exciting. Uh, and it's going to be a great way to start the new year. <laughs> yeah, we just, we had forgotten about Christmas and we had a whole plan to record our what i think is our last christmas movie i believe so i don't know that i don't think we'll be i don't know if we'll be done with this by (laughs) by next christmas (coughs) but okay no probably not but like (laughs) i mean we should be we should be getting close we have 44 movies left after this yeah so um we'll be getting there but we'll be getting there but we won't be quite done but that's okay that's okay maybe for christmas next year we'll watch the, no, I was yeah. trying to see if there was one that like that had like that you could be like this is kind of a Christmas movie, but yeah, we may have to break format or something and do a special thing or something. We'll see. Yeah, that's a year. It'll away. be fine. It'll be fine. That's a long way away. Um, <clears throat> so instead, today we are talking about Joyo Noel, and you could hear about the Savages in January. Indeed. <clears throat> so. Joyo Noel, a Christmas movie that perhaps not a lot of people have heard of, if I had to guess. Yeah, I'm actually a little bit surprised that this is still, uh, it's kind of a a lesser known movie, uh, which I I don't really understand why. There are certainly worse Christmas movies that are much better known. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, a lot of those are are in English, though. Well, that is true. The subtitles are probably probably part of it but yeah i feel like those are a deterrent for some people uh it is at least partly in english but it's very heavy scottish english most of the time so sometimes <laughs> they're still true, useful yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so joya noel is uh Inspired by, I would say, more than directly based on, as best I can tell, uh, the uh, the Christmas truce uh, during World War One. Right. The yeah, the characters are all fictional, I believe, um, but it was it was a real thing that happened at various various places along the line. Yeah, it's um, my understanding. Yeah, because of course in World War One, <clears throat> where all of the warfare was sort of famously like uh, trench warfare, so they're all like relatively close. Well, yeah, most of them were like a hundred yards away from each other most of the time, and like it wasn't like there was any secret about where they were. It was right. Um, so, a very particular kind of war. Um, you know, a different, a specific type of nightmare, I guess I should say. Uh, and uh, and in many places along the front, um, they ended up people sort of laid down arms for Christmas Eve. Um, which, of course, all of the people in charge of them were super excited about. Uh. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, um, I was reading a little bit about the, the director of this movie, uh, mm. Christian something, what is it? Christian Carrion, who's a French yeah. guy, so I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Uh, uh-huh. But it, apparently he talked about having... Like, he grew up in France in this area... As on a farm, and you know, he had to deal with things like finding unexploded ordnance buried in their field as a kid and stuff. Oh, um, from World War One, which is, I mean, that's still a thing, but uh, 
Crazy. He never heard about this because the French government was still kind of suppressing stories about this, apparently, even when, when he was a kid. Uh, I mean, I don't think I remember hearing about it growing up. Do you? Uh, I, it was a thing that I knew about before this movie. <laughs> I had I had heard of it, but it's yeah. Still, I mean, I think I was like vaguely aware of it, but yeah, it's it's yeah. definitely. So this movie sort of, um, like Joel said, like has some fictional fictional characters from three different, uh, some French, German, and. Um, and Scottish. Scottish. Yeah. Uh, and we see sort of all of their perspective and, you know, kind of what's going on with them behind the lines. You know, I mean, these are all like front lines dudes. So for the most part, like, you know, they're the ones who are being ordered where to go. Um, and they don't have like a lot of say. So they're all miserable and cold and have lice and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever mean, else. They're living outside in December. Like, it's, yeah, it's all pretty miserable. Um, and the movie actually—I had forgotten how the movie actually starts with the the poems. Uh, yeah, which is yeah with uh, children speaking uh, French and then English and then German, or one of those ways. Um, different children uh, reciting these like patriotic destroy the the other side. Yeah, propaganda poems, basically. Uh, yeah. I had forgotten about that, too, and it is uh, striking. <laughs> it was like, I didn't expect a Christmas movie to start this way. Yeah. <laughs> fair. Fair. Um, <clears throat> apparently, there was a male opera singer um, who traveled to the front in order to perform uh, for the troops. Uh, he probably Walter didn't Kirk. bring his wife with him, though, in real life. No, no. Yeah. Um, but when he performed, his performance was met by cheers from the French lines, whereupon he decided to climb into no man's land to see who was cheering. So, like, oh, okay. a little bit That's of that. Cool. I didn't I didn't see that, that 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 aspect was based on a real thing. <sighs> yeah. Um, there, uh, There's a few things that, like, the IMDb trivia details talks about having been... Um, you know, having been based on real things, but <clears throat> also this film was initially supposed to be rated R, but Roger Ebert said that was stupid, and the MPAA officially changed the rating to PG. Oh, really? I didn't see that. I actually yeah. did kind of wonder about that though, because we do have a brief sex scene in this movie. We do. Uh, where where you see some boob, which is generally not allowed in PG thirteen movies. That's true. So I was I was a little bit surprised when I saw that. Like I'm, a, I was a little surprised that it got away with that. Uh, and I assume that was probably <coughs> for the R rating originally because it's not that violent and like there's not a lot of length no. or anything. So I assume it was that. And you know, obviously, he was correct. That's a stupid reason <laughs> to give a movie like this an R rating. But uh, it's true. It's true. So yeah, it kind of it starts out with this like poetry recitation from these kids that you know just this like sort of propaganda. You must you must murder them all. Like you must you must get rid of all of them. I was trying to see if I could find the <clears throat> the um, quotes of them, but they're not immediately appearing. But um, <clears throat> and I was I I was really obsessed with this movie when I was younger, for sure. How, how did it hold up for you at this point? 
Um, it, I had a similar like when I first saw it. I I really loved this movie. Like it was, I you know I I watched a ton of of old war movies and stuff growing up. Uh-huh. Um, like you know we talked about some in in the last episode, having watched so much John Wayne and stuff growing up, and a lot of other just old war movies. Um, so that was it, at the time it was a genre that I was really into. I'm I'm not so much anymore. I, I, I in general my interest in war movies these days is pretty low, but yeah. uh, this one was definitely uh, it was it was something very different from <laughs> all the stuff that I had seen. And I was I was pretty taken with it. Um, yeah. Th- watching it today, it's actually kind of an interesting thing because I would say I don't think this movie is particularly well made. I also thought that. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's anything like particularly good about the direction. A lot of the writing is pretty weak. There's uh, some really good actors in it. There are there is some really yeah there's there's a few really good performances a few maybe not so great yeah um, but the story itself is so compelling right <laughs> that, and and also the music is the the music plays a big part in this and it's really well used uh, I think I'm I'm going to be humming that I'm dreaming of home song for weeks I think yeah um, yeah so the overall effect is still for me at least is still quite good I still. I still definitely enjoyed it, uh, but uh, not quite as much as I did when I was younger. But same, I mean, same. I, I still think it's quite good. I still, again, like just the story is very compelling. Um, but yeah. yeah, I agree. It's it's uh, as far as like the craft. It's. <laughs> I, um, it, I think I had had it at like five stars for my last. I moved down to four. Like. You know, I, I still enjoy it, but it's not yeah, like what it was. It's, it's a bit of a like a- after having seen Paths of Glory, this movie definitely feels a bit less uh, uh, impactful than it did when I was younger. I would say um, it's like it's one kind Kubrick of, I still haven't seen. Yeah, there's it's it's. I mean that that movie's not about like a Christmas truce or whatever. There's there's it's not like the same story, but it has kind of similar some similar elements particularly about the way that uh the um the higher ups respond to the whole thing Uh um and but but this movie is it is the christmas movie version of that both literally and figuratively i think uh this movie doesn't have any of kubrick's cynicism (laughs) or at least not very much of it not that you know they it's not quite to the degree of like you know, obviously, it's not like they declare the war over and they force they, you know, make no. up a happy ending or whatever. But uh, it is still a little bit. Uh, it, it definitely feels a little bit sanitized in some ways. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, and yeah, yeah, no, I would agree. Um, <clears throat> it is. I mean, I do think it's interesting to me that this, like, whether or not this movie has like made it through the zeitgeist over the years or whatever i do think it's interesting like how relatively little the uh sort of christmas eve truce is like known about at all because it is like such an interesting (laughs) thing Mm -hmm. to have happened um and i mean i know you know i feel like we don't talk about world war one as much as we talk about world war two or whatever but it's just right yeah and it's kind of an 
a few things. I mean, it it was in um, that god awful fucking movie Warhorse. Um, <laughs> I liked Warhorse, okay, but uh, yeah, um, I did not care for Warhorse. <laughs> um, but like when it went out that part of Warhorse, I was just like, but I would just rather watch. <laughs> right. Yeah, I I think it's um, kind of ironically, actually, because I feel like this movie is – I definitely got some uh, some Christian movie vibes from parts of this movie. Yeah. Um, like, it's better made than those are, but, like, there's some pretty explicit – like, one of the main characters is a priest, and there's a whole thing about him doing a mass during the, the, uh, the, the Christmas Eve truce and – um, and then he has a whole, uh, confrontation with his superior in the church and, uh, yeah, I mean, I all. think that was a huge part of what stood out to me when I was younger, but watching it now, I had really different thoughts around it. Yeah. I don't know about, about you. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> it, uh, it, it definitely felt a bit on the ham-fisted side, uh, some of it anyway. Um, and I, I, I thought that some of that, like he had a whole little speech about, you know, the way the, the men came to the altar or whatever that I thought was, it was all just a little obvious and, uh, uh, not a, not a particularly interesting character arc for the priest. I don't think. I mean, when he talks about, he has this thing about like sort of, this you know he he performs this mass for all these soldiers and of course at this point the mass is still exclusively in latin um mm. so like everybody knows the latin because they, them, yeah. um and you know and i i can see and i think when i was watching this movie when i was young it was this really like this compelling thing to me of like you know the true the genuine gospel or whatever like is about sort of like bringing people together um, regardless of all the ways that we're supposed to be sort of separated. Um, and that, you know, then his superior, like basically telling him that he's like brought shame onto whatever, and then going and telling all of like the new recruits to, um, to make sure that they murder all the Germans right. because they are children of God. Right. That all. That, I. I mean. I don't know. Maybe that was taken word for word from an actual sermon at the time, uh, but it felt like a little much. <laughs> but like when I, I think when I watched it when I was young, it was like yes, this is like what you know. I mean, I, I think how I would have referred to it at the time is like this is like what religion is versus faith or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Um. And now I watch it and I'm just like, look, like yes. Like, like to me, the the largest message that comes away from the film, not I think what is intended to come away from the film, but what I come away from the film with, is that like faith in and of itself is a somewhat neutral object, but it's like an incredibly powerful weapon, and can also be a, and can also be a really powerful like way to draw people together when they're in need of like community and familiar familiarity, right. and that is what makes it force. right, and that is what makes it potentially such a powerful weapon, um, is because it sort of has that, but like. 
I don't think, you know, I mean, even in his speech where he says something like, you know, I mean, he's clearly trying to process this, like what I'm sure would have been an incredibly like, you know, mind blowing moment. Um, like mm-hmm. in his speech as he's, you know, talking about how like, you know, these, yeah, I think he says the men were drawn to the altar, like as if to a flame or something like that. To a fire um, in winter, yeah. To a fire in winter. But then he says like, or maybe just to be together or maybe just, and I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's that mm-hmm. like it's, they, they are, they are, they are lonely. They are miserable. They are cold. And that what's comforting is like human, human connection in the midst yeah. of this like incredibly bleak space. And the fact that like, and the, and that in this case where like language is a barrier for a lot of them, like the, um, you know, the, what the faith or, you know, the mass has to offer is a space where you can experience that connection without necessarily, like, even though you can't speak in other ways, but that isn't about God. Like, (laughs) it's not about, but like, I would have believed as a kid, you know, that it, that it was about that God had, you know, that God had, created this moment or whatever but it's like no this is this right. is really just like a super this is a super natural sort of human desire to feel connected especially in the midst of so much like trauma and horror um and like well, it is a good thing it's a beautiful good thing it just has nothing to do with god <laughs> right and, and to, the, the movie also portrays the music as having that same effect yes uh like it's not it's not all about the the mass <clears throat> because they also like they all know the same christmas songs even if they sing yep. them in different languages mm-hmm. um so that that isn't you know i i think the of course a lot of the music is religious but um there is there is kind of a distinction between like we have the mass and then we have the the opera performers right um so we have art doing the uh, performing a similar a similar function yeah and i mean you know i think that many of us can certainly relate to the idea of like seeing a particularly incredible, you know, musical performance or movie or whatever. And like feeling like, you know, all feeling things together also <laughs> being like a connecting force. Um, but one of the things I was thinking about last night that I think I was also really drawn to, I don't know that there's like a reason to like go through the specific story of this. Like there are like, yeah, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> there are, you know, a few different storylines um, and people sort of connecting over different things and whatever. But like um, was, I think I was thinking about how part of what stands out about this, I think, to some extent now is, and that I suspect I was drawn to at the time because this was a pattern um, is honestly not the, the faith part, but just, it was, but it, it's humanism is what it ultimately is. Like it's, it's a belief that like people are capable of, you know, coming together and experiencing these, um, you know, these critical moments together, experiencing change together, or, you know, profound, all of these things. And that like, it, it really isn't about God at all. Um, and then that was sort of a, a pattern for me, I think, growing up is that I was often really drawn to things which were and this is a little less explicitly so because I think it is trying to to push the religion angle to at least some extent. But I was often really like explicitly drawn to like very humanist philosophy things, even though I very much was not supposed to be. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you remember think, what dad thought about this or like i mean other than uh, not liking subtitles I, I don't but i i mean i think this movie is uh i don't think there's anything in this movie that that would be uh offensive to someone like our dad <laughs> other, <laughs> other all, than the boob <clears throat> yeah uh, yeah i suppose <laughs> i wonder if we skipped that i don't remember I don't um know. But it's all pretty, like, you know, most people can at least in theory get behind the idea of like, yeah, it's better to get along than to be at war, right? <laughs> well, especially <laughs> when like, it's in a war that's so long ago that it's no longer like, right? you know, like, because I, I don't, you know, at this point, a lot of the people that at least the U.S. has been at war with over the last, you know, most of our lives uh, has been folks from the Middle East, Right. Um, and I don't about Christmas, <laughs> right? And I don't know that my, uh, you know, at least our mother would not uh, necessarily support <laughs> uh, yeah. bonding with them. So, one thing that I thought this movie did pretty well that I, I hadn't really remembered, I hadn't thought about before, was portraying the the way that like like. It, Obviously, this was like a war between different nations, but on like the ground level in the from the perspective of the soldiers doing the fighting, it was basically a civil war. Right. Because they were like some of these guys were like like the one guy who said he was less than an hour's walk away from where he grew up. And we find out that the the commander of the German troops has a French wife yep. had honeymooned in Paris on the street where the French commander lived. Yep. <laughs> like, there was there was all these these connections between you know like they they all live in within an area of like this you know the size of a couple of, of U.S. states. Yeah, and like it, it just you know that just drives home the the absurdity of the whole thing like. They're fighting each other, each other over these imagined borders that none of them ever really paid attention to in their lives before. Right. <clears throat> and that the people on and the I, front particularly are like, are in many ways more connected. I mean, there's a few of these, these instances I feel like that come up. One of them being that there's just one guy who like carries an alarm clock um, and it goes off at 10 every morning because he used to have coffee with his mother at 10 every morning. Um, and, but like they can all hear the alarm clock. And right. <laughs> Everyone on, on all, in all three lines. Yeah. They don't know the why Scottish it's guy, going. The Scottish guy sets his watch by it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's a scene where it goes off and he looks at his watch and like, oh, my watch is fast. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what's going on? Is it a changing of the guard? Is it? But they all right. know it's there. And there's a cat. That like wanders between the lines that they have right, different names for. Right, nearby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and like, you know, and there's a point where the French commander says something, you know, that like his father is trying to like shame him or whatever, and he's like, "I." Feel right. His his father is like the general in command of the sector and keeps coming to visit him. Yeah. Right, and he's like, "I feel closer to." those men in the other trenches than I feel to all of the people at home who are, you know, yelling, like, kill the kraut or whatever. Yeah. Like, they are experiencing fundamentally the same things and are just right. sort of pawns in this larger, in this larger thing. But, like, the differences between them are, are pretty, are, are a matter of a few hundred feet at this point. 
think. <laughs> um, I did find the poems, by the way. Um, oh, you did? I did. Um, the French one is, uh, child upon these maps do heed this black stain to be effaced. Omitting it, you would proceed, yet better it in red to trace. Later, whatever may come to pass, promise there to go you must to fetch the children of Alsace, of Alsace. reaching out their arms to us, may in our fondest France hopes green saplings to branch. And in you, dear child, flower, grow, grow, France awaits its hour. Um, and then the the English language one was the Scottish, I suppose. To rid the map of every trace of Germany and of the Hun, we must exterminate that race. We must not leave a single one. He'd not. Yeah, the children. English one was definitely the most, uh, <laughs> yeah. the most explicitly like genocidal. Yeah. He'd not their children's cries. Best slay all now the women too, or else someday again they'll rise, which if they're dead, they cannot do. Um, and then the German was, was, we have one and only enemy who digs the grave of Germany, its heart replete with hatred, gall, and envy. We have one and only en enemy, the villain raises its murderous hand, its name you know is England. Mm -hmm. um, and they're all recited by like 10-year-old kids. Um, <laughs> right, in like, a, in like a classroom. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that like... And I mean, I think this is the sort of thing that comes up in many war movies generally, right? Is like that the... Like the soldier, the grunt soldiers who are on the ground dying are like, you know, functionally sort of all experiencing the same war and are, are tools. They're, they're being used, right? Like, and the people mm -hmm. who are, who are sending them in, you know, sending them wherever they're sending them are not actually in harm's way most of the time themselves. Um, and, um, are you know the the sort of things that they're fighting over are, also, are often maybe not that actually important for the people who are on the ground doing the fighting or whatever. Like you, they have to be, they have to be sort of convinced and talked into that it's important to kill all of the people. Yeah, or bullied into, or bullied into, or yeah, whatever. So. Um, yeah, we actually there was actually a bit. There's a scene in this movie with the uh, the, the opera singer uh, who gets he gets called off the line to go perform for the the crown prince uh -huh. after his his wife managed to organize this, and he goes to meet the crown prince who tells him that he's so impressed that he volunteered as a private even though he was like this famous figure, and he's like. I didn't volunteer. I got called up like everybody else. Right. <laughs> this, you know, the, there isn't any of this, uh, you know, nationalistic fervor no. going on. He's, well, he's not there by choice. I mean, especially for like the opera singer, like where you know that the opera singer and his wife, who's played by Diane Krieger in this movie, um, yeah. like, you know, they have definitely been traveling all over Europe before this. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not. Again, like when it she comes was, to... She was Danish. Right. She wasn't even German. Yeah. And when it comes to sort of the absurdity of these national boundaries and all of these things, it would almost certainly be maybe even less for people whose, like, job it was to, like, travel around and yeah. perform for these different countries. Um, you're probably mm -hmm. not like, oh, we're at war. I guess I better go kill all these people. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, um, I don't 
don't know that I had like a ton about this movie other than I don't know. Do you have anything like anything else you wanted to uh, mention? There's a couple like there's one sort of uh through line mini plot thing that I I don't I don't think worked very well for me and I'm curious what you thought about the sure. the the Scottish guy whose brother was killed. Yeah. Um we have him as kind of like the um the counterforce to all the good feeling, I guess, because there had been an attack the day before, and these two brothers were in the same regiment together, and one of them had been killed uh, in, during the retreat because the the attack failed, and so th- there's this one one guy who's like doesn't want to join in on the whole thing, and like <laughs> that scene, that one German dude is the worst at reading the room of any person in history. <laughs> Uh, like it's like while the while the mass is going on, we get this scene of this brother who has found his brother's corpse in no man's land, and is literally he's like he's like laying on top of his dead brother's body, weeping. And this German soldier comes up to him with a bottle, and is like, "Oh yeah, you don't go in for all this religious stuff either. Oh, you want to share this bottle with me? <laughs> Come on, man! Like, do you not see what's happening?" It was... <laughs> yeah, that all that all felt a little bit. Uh... No, I agree. I mean, I think like that could like there could have been a lot more in some of those things, particularly something like that. But honestly, we just never knew him well enough mm-hmm. to like. Yeah, th- that is none of these are like particularly in depth characters. I would say um, some of them get a little bit better than that character did. I think, but. It was it was pretty shallow, I would say. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I will say one of the one of the parts of the movie that was apparently based on a real thing uh, was towards the end of the film, Mayor General Albert, where while well, he's like talking about basically like I don't understand anything at this point, he says I've been ordered to arrest a cat for treason. Um, mm. And a cat portrayed in the film as Felix slash Nestor, depending on which side you're on, actually was arrested and shot for espionage after it arrived in. They Fr- shot it after it arrived in French lines, wearing a new collar and bearing a note in French, which read, "What regiment are you from?" The general in charge decided just to follow the letter of the law, and the cat was shot for spying. Oh well. Wow. <laughs> <sighs> That's so dumb. That's so dumb. <laughs> I think so at this point I I tend to think that any worthwhile war movie is going to have as at least one of its main themes the absurdity and stupidity and right. pointlessness of the whole thing um and some movies do this better than others as I mentioned Paths of Glory um <clears throat> the Japanese movie Fires on the Plane um I think Apocalypse Now has a lot of that. Sure, yeah. Uh, but it is definitely kind of the major theme of this movie, and uh, I, I think it's. Uh, yeah, there's a good line. I think it's a. I think it. I think it makes a decent introduction to that theme, <laughs> uh, for people who are maybe a little more used to the, the the jingoistic style of war movies like I was. Right. Uh, before seeing this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a there's a line where he's where one of the I think German soldiers is or no, it's the opera singer is talking to the and it's like what what exactly do you think is going to happen? 
after all this, tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to shoot the guys that you drank champagne with yesterday. To die here now is even more stupid than it was the day before. <laughs> mm -hmm. Which, yeah, the, the, at least the way it's shown in this movie, the, you know, the next day the commanders are like trying to get them to fight each other and they're just not going to do it. They end up having to move all the regiments right. to different places on the line. because, In fact, there's the German guy comes and warns the others, hey, we're about to shell you. Come hide in our trenches. <laughs> it's... <clears throat> yeah. Um, apparently, there's a there's like a football match in the you know. I mean, of the, course, there is. If you, yeah, um, that's, that's a universal. If you get a group like this, apparently around the world, someone's going to pull out yeah, a soccer ball. Yeah. Apparently, the Scottish regiment depicted in this film uh, were judging by the badges they had were the Royal Scots Fusiliers. Um, on, on December 20th, 1914, the second Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders took over the front, front line trenches after Christmas. And it was widely reported at the time in numerous letters that it was this regiment that arranged to play a football match versus the Saxons in no man's land. Um, so I guess it was a thing. Um, and apparently in, in 2008, the British and German armies sent teams to France to play a game of football in honor of their predecessors. Um. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so you know, again, there are like pieces of this that are taken out of out of things that we have documented from letters from soldiers and stuff. But I mean, like Joel said, I mean, like you know, the French government was really still trying. Like you know, they don't want people to. <laughs> thinking about this um and i think it is really different when we think about i mean like what you were saying about like the this you know the spaces that a lot of this were taking place they like knew these spaces like if you're like if you're american you really are going over to like a foreign land where you know this is all right i mean we haven't fought a war like this since the civil war right. but and and even in world war ii you didn't have i, I mean you didn't have the 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 trench lines like this. Um, you didn't. I mean, it was mostly American and British right. troops that were fighting. You know, in, in like it was a lot of aerial stuff. It wasn't. It wasn't this kind of close quarters like. Right. You know, it wasn't like local fighting the way it was here. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a really it was a really particular particular war. <laughs> mm -hmm. Ah, well. Um, you know, we, we, we've talked for, for 30 minutes. That, that seems reasonable. Um, yeah, no, I think it's, it's, I think it's a worthwhile movie and it is, I, I watched it. It was streaming for free on Tubi. If you don't mind a few ads, I watched it there and it's also available for rent in a bunch of different places. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, no. if you want something a little bit, maybe a little bit different to watch. Yeah. Christmas <laughs> Off of uh, the normal Christmas fair. It's, it's yeah. worth checking out. Okay. Well, we don't need to do the choosing what we're watching next because we already know what we're watching next. Right. Um, so uh, we can instead do what we've been watching. Uh, who wants to start with yeah, that? Yeah, let me pull up my... You have watched several of the things. I see you've been doing some catch-up. Yeah, no, I have been specifically working on catching up on uh, on stuff from this year. Excellent job. So. Um, do you want to start or should I? Um, let's see. 
I mean, I guess I can start. Uh, I've watched more than you. Okay. That's not uncommon. Unsurprising. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't remember. Did I say last time? That usually the last movie that I've watched is the movie that we're about to talk about. But last time I watched the movie the day before. So um, did I say last time the um, the one of the Criterion ones that Morgan and I watched was uh, Madadayo. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Um, it was uh, Kurosawa's last film. I think you did talk about okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. I thought I might have, but I can't remember for sure. Okay. Yeah. So the next movie that we watched from the Criterion list um, was we watched a, mo- a movie from 1968 called Head that was. Um, that that featured the monkeys, um, and was about nothing, as far as I could tell. Um, it was mostly seemed as if maybe people got very high, and that they put things together that they thought were things, but were not really. I mean that 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 seems like fitting for a yeah. movie with the monkeys. Um, I was incredibly bored by it. I would not personally recommend it. <laughs> um, okay, why did you watch this one? Uh, well, we, you know we're we're doing this we're doing this Criterion project. Um, let me see. Let me actually pull up the the list so that I can see which ones went with which thing. This was one that Morgan had chosen. I think this one might have been like a. Um, I can find it. It's right here. Okay. Uh, so the, there we go. Read notes. Thank you. Um, ah, it was a film from the America lost and found the BBS story collection. So there's just like a bunch of the, the, the challenge just has a bunch of different like collections or whatever that you like pick a movie from. And that was, and I think this was okay. one of the few ones I hadn't seen in this collection. That's been true. Um, so the next one we were watching okay. was uh, one with a, a film with a spine number for criterion between one and a hundred. Um, and I chose I chose mm. uh, Time Bandits because it's like you know, yeah. Oh, the Terry Gilliam. I did not love it. Um, it, that doesn't surprise me. Do you I love any Terry so. Gilliam movies? No. Oh. Yeah. He doesn't seem like your speed. He's not really mine either. He's also a piece of shit, which doesn't help. Uh. <laughs> that too, yeah. I remember enjoying Time Bandits, but it's been a it's been a really It was alright. Like I didn't hate it. I gave it two and a half. I don't know. It was fine. I just didn't love it. Um, and then the next one in the list was, so Morgan and I have been alternating choosing. Um, so the next one was a film with a spine number between five and 600 and Morgan chose the 1977 Japanese film house. Uh, yes. Oh, the horror movie. I still haven't seen that. That's like, yes. Um, and of course I had certainly heard of it because, you know, um, but I, I knew I was not prepared (laughs) for the absolute. Yeah, it's supposed to be the shit nature yeah. of this film. Um, and honestly, I like, I mean, it was fun. I was very high. I don't know if that helped or hindered. I might have been a little too high, but um, mm-hmm. it was, it was very, it was very fun. Um, and I would certainly recommend watching it. Um, and then the next one that we watched from this list was a con film festival winner. Uh, and I chose all about my mother. 
uh, because I hadn't seen that. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I feel... I can't remember if I've seen... I have so much trouble keeping track of which Elmo right. I've seen. And I can't remember if I saw that one. Uh, okay, and I, I think this is one of maybe his first bigger ones, possibly. Like, one of the first ones that, like, you know, sort of broke out. Yeah, this was from 99, so this would have been pretty early. Yeah. For him. I definitely think of him as a as a 2000s filmmaker, although, I mean, I know he was around before. Yeah, that. I mean, I think the first, uh, the first Almodovar I ever saw, Almodovar, how do you pronounce it? Okay. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure where the emphasis goes. It does look like his old his older stuff goes back to the early '80s. Yeah, I just mean in terms of like coming across the across or you know into some of the wider zeitgeist. But um, like I I saw Volver years ago and was not crazy about it. Um, and you know I I knew I I just I wasn't sure I was really that into Almodovar, but. Um, uh, but then last year, I saw Parallel Mothers, which I fucking loved. Um, I oh still God, haven't watched so Parallel Mothers. I really loved his Pain and Glory. movie, Pain and Glory. I did. All, my favorite I don't think I. 2019. Yeah. I yeah. I don't think I liked it quite as much as you, Pain and Glory, but I did like Pain and Glory. Um, and I loved Parallel Mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and Valvera, I watched like when it came out. So I was like 22, and I was definitely not like. I, I did not know enough things to like be prepared for it. Um, right. But watching all about my mother, I also really, really liked it. And I feel like Omidovar may have clicked for me at last. Um, and so now I kind of want to do like a, you know, watch the ones I haven't watched, maybe rewatch some of the ones. So, so that was exciting. I was really, I was really glad that okay, I liked cool. it. It looks like probably his breakout movie was women. That makes sense. Of a nervous breakdown. Yeah, which is that makes sense. Um, but most of his stuff has been post-2000. It doesn't really look like he did much of anything in the 90s. Other than this one. Uh, and then Morgan and I have just been burning through this list. So uh, the next one that we watched was just supposed to be a cult film off of this like cult films list that they had. So we watched the 1982 comedy uh, Eating Raul. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. The name I don't is think I had heard of it. It's directed by a man uh, by Paul Martel. Martel. It's um, the description is a relatively boring Los Angeles couple discover a bizarre, if not murderous, way to get funding for opening a restaurant. Um, it's definitely sort of a wacky. The first half of it, I think, is a lot better than the second half, where basically, like, they're this, like, very boring couple who's, like, repulsed by the concept of sex, and they live in an apartment building that's, like, full of swingers. <laughs> and some of that okay. stuff is very funny to me. I don't think the second half worked as well, but, like, it was definitely a weird, interesting little movie. Um, and then we were supposed to watch a coming of age film, so I picked uh, Menace to Society because I had never seen that. Um, which, I yeah, I didn't love it, but it's definitely like it's an impressive debut, especially like coming from the two guys who wrote and directed it, I believe, were like 21. <laughs> um, and it's definitely very impressive for that. Oh, was yeah. it the Hughes brothers? Yeah. Is that theirs? Yeah, they yeah, did the Book of Eli, true. right? They did was, do that. Yeah. Which, 
I don't know that they've done anything since. But then. yeah, I mean, it's. We'll get to that one. Yes, I think. I think we, we, we definitely did. Um, so yeah, so yeah. we watched that. And then uh, we watched The Night Before because Morgan hadn't seen it. And I felt pretty confident that they would love it. Have you watched it yet? The Night Before? Sorry, which one? The Christmas comedy, the Jonathan Levin with. No, I remember. I, I feel like I remember you speaking well. I still it. really love it. I think it lands super well. And like, if you're looking yeah. for a fun Christmas movie, I think it's streaming free a few places right now. But like, it is, it's really fun and like way better than it has any right to be. Honestly, like both <laughs> both funny, but also so like the the heartfelt stuff really lands. I did really enjoy Fifty Fifty, and I yeah. also liked the Long Shot. Which are both Jonathan Levin's. I think you should. I think you would really. I think you would really like it. I'm just saying, you've got like a week and a half till Christmas, or a week, I guess. Um, And then Eric and I watched uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, uh, which was very boring. That's what I've heard. I haven't. I haven't heard anyone. I I don't think I laughed once. I might have smiled once or twice. I just it 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 was a long 45 minutes. And then we watched the next yeah. the next thing on our Ebert's Great Movies list was Psycho, so we rewatched Psycho. Which I mean, you know, Psycho is Psycho. Probably don't need to say that much about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we watched uh, Emily the Criminal, which just went up on Netflix. I saw that's on there now. I, that's that's one I'm definitely going to have to try to catch up to because I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, no, I had to. Um, very good. Very a, a really incredible Aubrey Plaza performance super super great um and then we watched one because it was expiring off of hulu that i had always kind of meant to get to but just like hadn't uh we went uh, wild rose from a couple years ago oh is that the one about yes. the like scottish country singer i had not realized yeah, somehow i don't know why i mean may, i don't know i hadn't realized somehow that the scottish country singer was played by jesse buckley uh, yeah that was one of her like first yeah, and I think that when it came out, like people were talking about it, but I didn't know who Jesse Buckley was at that point. So I think it just sort of didn't. Oh, right. okay. um, but incredible performance from her, and just like truly, just like unlike anything else I've ever seen her in. Um, she's just she's just such an amazing actress, and it's been just like such a pleasure to watch her, like you know, sort of <laughs> climb the <laughs> you know climb the stardom here, but. Um, Really, really good. I also think that when I, I think Wild Rose came out, if not the same year, then within a close time period of the movie uh, Her Smell. Do you remember that movie? I never saw it either. I never saw that one either. Yeah, I I, I would, it's been on my list since it came out because I am curious. Same. So, I mean, that one, you know, has Elizabeth Moss and it looks like, and is um, by Alex Ross Perry, who uh, is. I don't dislike Alex Ross Perry, but his movies are sometimes a little bit of a uh, emotional challenge to make one's way through. Uh, and um, and so I think that I had sort of mixed up Wild Rose and Her Smell. Like I knew they were two separate movies, but in terms of like the vibe of them, I think I had like I had been like, ah, oh, yes, two sad movies about or like you know sad or upsetting movies about. Ken. But Wild Rose really isn't that. Wild Rose is, I mean, like there are sad things that happen in it, but it is like a, a happy ending sort of movie, um, which I had not <laughs> was not expecting. So it was a pleasant surprise. Um, okay. 
I, I haven't watched her smell either. I'm just assuming that it doesn't have a happy ending per se, because that would be surprising for Alex. Probably not. But. <laughs> um, and then Morgan and I watched Christmas in Connecticut, which I had seen for the first time last year. And Morgan just really loves, this is probably their, their favorite Christmas movie we've watched so far. Um, and it's like a fun little, hmm. it's a fun movie. I, I don't love it as much as them, but that's okay. I'm, I'm supporting any positive uh, Christmas feelings that they have so uh, <laughs> i haven't seen that one i just every time i hear that title I hear that title. <laughs> it's cute i, I, I mean it's, it's it's cute um and then the next thing on the criterion list was a stage adaptation and morgan picked that uh so we watched uh an ibsen play adaptation called a master builder that was adapted and starring wallace shawn um, adapted by Insta. Wallace Shawn on the yes. serious side of his. That is something I really career. like about Wallace Shawn because he clearly is like a very serious actor, right? Like, I mean, he he's. But he's like, an interesting dude. Like, yes, yeah. he does shit like my dinner with Andre and things that are like you can tell that he's very serious about like stagecraft stuff, but also he's in Gossip Girl, right. and like I just love that for him. I love. He's <laughs> Yeah, it seems like he's yeah. he's happy to like show up and be goofy and stuff, but his own work is always like so I just I like that. I like that for him. I think that's that's cool. It shows someone with a sense yeah. of humor and like I don't know, I like it. But um mm -hmm. a master builder was was an emotionally rough watch for me. It was quite good. I, I don't know I don't think I had any I, I don't think I know of any Ibsen plays. Plays not really being my I read one for a, a class once. Um I'm blanking on the name of it, but it's like the most, I, I think it's his best known. It's like one of the like, uh, like legendary um, roles for women in theater. Yeah, no, apparently he is, he is largely know. considered to be a, a pretty feminist uh, playwright, uh, which is not something I knew. I, I think this, this play is also like pretty feminist, but in like a really, it, it's about this guy who's like a famous architect and like, he's dying. Um, it, Ah, and a gambler. Yes, yes. That's what it's called. That's the I read that one for a um, future class. And so, yeah, no, he's he's dying, and most of the movie is like a like he goes into like a coma or something, and it's all sort of like in his head. Um, most of the story, but it's it really I think made me think a lot about and sort of clarified in some ways these like series of thoughts that I've had over the past few years about sort of this, the concept of like of genius, particularly like male genius. Um, and like, you know, how many of these like heroic genius, uh, people have like sort of formed our history, but like the cost that is exacted for that genius is rarely on them. It's usually on the people around them, you know? Mm. Um, and that like, is it even possible yeah. to be like a great man, so to speak, and not fuck up your family, fuck up your, you know, I it just it, like, I, I think about this a lot. And I think that this movie really like, or this, this play adapted into a movie really like dives into a lot of that stuff in very meaningful ways it was it was tough to watch at times but i thought it was really interesting and it was certainly not something i would have watched or even known really existed without this so like you know glad glad we saw it um and then we took a break and went to the theater to go see after sun uh which is fucking fantastic
I know. I invited you, but you didn't even answer. No. I saw the message. I wasn't able to go. I, I took um, <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. Sometimes I do. Um, yeah, so it was it was so good. Oh my god, I cried so much. Uh, just a really beautiful sort of reflection on you know kids and parents and the you know. So there's a, I, I read one description of it that was like that it's about the the main character trying to reconcile like the idea of her father, like the man she knew and the man she didn't, um, but, which I think is, is a really beautiful way of putting it. Um, just absolutely gorgeous for sure. Going to be on my top 10 of the year. Um, okay. And then we came back and jumped right back into our criterion list. Uh, <laughs> so the next one was an LGBTQ film. Uh, so I picked desert hearts. Uh, because it's sort of a classic LGBTQ films, mid eighties lesbian movie. Um, that is about a woman. I don't know if you're familiar with this, with this phenomenon, but for, for quite a while, there were a few States that had really particularly Nevada, but I think there might've been one or two others that had really like lax divorce rules. Um, and you just had to just, Right. right. Nevada was famous for that. Celebrities would get, you had to get divorced or whatever. Yeah. Establishing residency. It, uh, it took like six weeks. Right? Yeah. And in, in, in Nevada, no, it took, like it took a few weeks, but yeah. yeah. Um, but compared to other states. Um, so this movie is, is set yeah. during that time. And this woman like comes from New York to divorce her husband. And while she's there, she falls in love with like a, a girl who lives in Reno. Um, and uh, I was really afraid it was going to be like a kill your gaze movie. Cause it's like 1985 and you know, um, but it wasn't, uh, it has a relatively happy ending, which was a pleasant surprise. So um, it's a, it's a fun, it's a, it's not like amazing, um, but it's a, it's a, it's a good like touchstone of, of time for LGBTQ film, I think. Um, so yeah, it's good. Um, and then we watched, there was a, a film on the summer travels list that they made at some point. So we watched, uh, the vanishing. Have you seen the vanishing? Oh, the, uh, something like that. Yeah. Or... It is a European, it's a European movie. movie with, yeah, it's like a, a thriller with the, yeah. yeah um, so, so we watched that. I had not seen it before. Um, and I think it's a, it's, it's definitely, I can definitely see why it's such a thing. I think it might be in the book. Um, I can definitely see why it's like such a thing. It's, it's clearly, it's a really solid entry in sort of the genre of like bleak Danish type true crime or not true crime, bleak Danish crime things. Uh, <laughs> it also has, it has one of the, one of the most like gut punch endings. The, the ending was quite, was quite rough. It's bleak, very bleak. <laughs> <laughs> no happy endings here. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it was good. I didn't love it, but I did. I did definitely like it. Um, the next one was a film on the Hollywood okay. classics list. Uh, so I picked Gilda because I had never watched Gilda. Uh, um, I haven't seen that one either. I thought I liked it. I didn't love it, but um, the uh, Rita Hayworth uh, performance is fantastic. The, I didn't like the end. Is is really when it came down to it at the end didn't quite work for me, but, um, but the, the movie itself is for sure. Very good. Um, and then it was a film from the animation before the two thousands list. Uh, 
Um, and Morgan chose the fabulous Baron Munchausen from 1962. Um, I haven't seen that one. It either. is very beautiful. I've never seen anything like it, honestly, um, from a visual perspective. Uh, and uh, it is, you know, it's one of those things where Terry Dilliam and I think Monty Python in general have really, like, cited this as, like, one of the big, like, in influences, inspirations. And when you watch it, you can yeah. definitely... You're like, oh, yes, this, in fact, looks like a Monty Python. But, you know, actually, Monty Python looks like this. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's cool. I was glad I saw it. Uh, the next one was a movie starring Catherine Deneau. Um, and I chose, in keeping with the season, and I had wanted to watch it anyway, A Christmas Tale from 2008. Um, I think I watched that one. I recall it being very Okay, I did not find it boring. I did like it. There was a lot going on and it's two and a half hours long and the relationship dynamics yeah. are really complicated and sometimes are maybe just like more French than I understand. Uh, yeah. I think it's the kind of thing I might enjoy more now yeah. than I did when I watched it. I think I watched it like back when it came out. Basically. Yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't love it, but I think I might love it if I had a chance to watch it a few more times. I feel like there's so much going on that I, I need to like, have a chance to like understand it more. It didn't make me want to understand it more. So that's, that's something. Um, and then we watched, uh, <laughs> took a brief pause in our hoity toity movies to watch a Hollywood Christmas on HBO, uh, which is very stupid, but not the stupidest Christmas movie I've ever watched. So whatever. Uh, and then we watched, uh, wait, a Hollywood a Christmas. Christmas, Hollywood Christmas. Is that what you said? Oh, okay. I guess I mean close. It's it's close. It, it is dumb okay. to be clear. Um, and then we the next was a Godard film, um, or no, not a Godard film. A movie starring Jean Moreau. It was a Godard film that we watched. Uh, was uh, Vivre Savi, mm. uh, which I thought was fine. Uh, it was it was fine. And then yesterday, yeah. And then yesterday we went to go see Avatar: The Way of Water, and. Uh, um, well, it How'd was three hours long. It sure was. Um, on the upside, there's nothing after the credits, so mm -hmm. so that was good. Um, no, I mean I don't know. It's it's very beautiful. Like there's no doubt, the effects are incredible. Looks great. Um, the story remains very stupid, um, but like more stupid because there's more in it now. Uh, <laughs> and. Uh, it was not like the worst film I've ever seen. I didn't come out of it like passionately hating it. I came out of it with a lot of logistics questions that I felt like should have been answered, but um, I didn't come out of it passionately hating it. I just, it's, it's fine. And like, does I'm, I, I feel fucking crazy looking at all of the five star reviews of it. Just like absolutely insane. I don't yeah. understand why. Yeah. I, it is, this is one of the, it's not the only example, but this has been a big example for me over the last like year or two of realizing that like a lot of people who I follow on Twitter and stuff who are like really, really into movies are into something very, or at least partly into something very different about them mm, from what I'm into about them. Well, like <clears throat> there's like with this, this movie and uh, I, a lot of people were talking similar things about Michael Bay's movie earlier this year, right, Ambulance, yeah. which I also didn't see. But I've, there's a lot of people who will talk about like it's they they just find it so refreshing to see like a movie 
that is like, you know, not a franchise property that is like a director with their own specific Regardless of what the vision is. And <laughs> right. Whether it's good or not, it seems. Uh, and I, I don't know. I can't uh, like, I, I get the sentiment, but I can't like, if the movie isn't good, right. the movie isn't good. And I don't know. <laughs> like, and I've even, I've even seen some people admit it that like 10 years ago, maybe we wouldn't have been impressed by this movie, but this just seeing a director with their own vision has become such a rare thing now that it, this is now their favorite movie of the year or whatever. Wow. Um, maybe this is less relevant with Avatar because a lot of people also really love the first Avatar. Yeah, I just I you know, and I, I it's so like you just you just cannot escape the fact that like James can't like this is the exact story about colonizing that you would expect a white straight cis man to tell about colonizing so much of it is just clearly this sort of general perspective that like that like identity is like a thing you can just sort of take on and take off that you can just become something else because it's cooler and i mean like that's not quite how he puts it but like that's how it feels to me watching it um and of course you know people may or may not i'm sure you saw the uh the quote from him going around from after the first avatar movie where he's talking about um that when he was making it he was thinking of the lakota sioux and how if they could have seen into the future and seen how you know that they have like their kids seen what happened to their children that they have like the number you know some of the highest suicide rates and stuff that maybe they would have fought harder Oh, gross. I didn't see that. I've not seen that going around. fucking horrifying. Um, and also, like, I just feel like once I saw that, like, there's no way to ever unsee that. Like, that is, <laughs> that is how he's yeah. approaching this. And, like, I just feel like that just, like, just, like, is in a nutshell, like, that is what these movies are. And no matter how beautiful they, the stuff they look, it is... It, it is no less racist. It is no less disgustingly colonialist. It is. It's gross. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. Mm. Right? Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> I had to like initially. Yeah. I saw a screenshot and I went to like hunt it down because I was like, "Is this actually?" But it, it is. It, it, it was. It was in a Variety article in two thousand nine or whatever. So mm. so yeah. Anyway, so to cleanse our palates, we came home and watched uh, Come On, Come On, which neither Eric nor Morgan had seen. Um, mm. Oh, so good. I have the Blu-ray. Oh, okay, that's right. I, I do, too. I, I bought it. I think I did, too. Right away, but I... um, and it was definitely one of those movies where, um, you know, having already seen it once just means that I start crying earlier. <laughs> Uh, just, just so, so beautiful, so beautiful. Yeah, so still, just ideal, perfect. Um, and I think that's it. Uh, I have not been watching a ton on TV. Oh, well, I mean, I guess. Uh, do you watch the end of the White Lotus? That's probably the. Yeah. I yeah. did. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought. I thought almost every storyline in the White Lotus wrapped up in the most boring most predictable yeah. way possible like we had all this stuff that was like you know the the, the most obvious example of that is that well i guess maybe we shouldn't get too much into yeah i mean it's spoilery you know a lot of people I, yeah that. i 
it just seems like it just seems like at the, the end of the season, everything played out exactly the way. Like if you watched the first episode and thought, okay, I'll bet this right. story is probably going to go this way, and this one seems like it's going this way, they all went exactly that way. Not all of them, but most of them went exactly that way, and I was I spent the whole thing like, okay, so when are we going to get the like the 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 revelation about right. these characters, the surprise about their motivations? You know, like eventually something's going to happen that's going to turn this. And we're going to realize that things have, are not what they've looked like from the beginning. Right. It just never happened. Uh, so overall, it ended up being quite. Yeah, it did. I thought it was fine. I wasn't like furious. I watched it, but it did not. It did land for me that well. And it didn't make me excited about a third season. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's I think that's it for me. So you talk about yours. OK. OK. Um. Uh, oh, right. Later that afternoon after we recorded the Searchers episode, nice. we went and saw the Fablemans. So uh, good. Which I loved. Okay, but how did you feel about the mom? Um, did she yeah. make you stressed? Uh, I I don't, I mean, kind of, but I, I okay. don't think she hit the same buttons for me that she did for you because I'm okay, not quite that's clear fine. what you were I, talking I just about. wasn't sure if it was um, I also, I, I will say that I actually, I did not love Michelle Williams. I don't think it was her best. I don't know. Um, yeah, it seems like that's the, that's like the first thing that everyone's talking about is how she's front of the line for the Oscar season. And I, I, I mean, she was like, she wasn't bad or anything, but it definitely was not her best performance in my opinion. Uh, I, I thought there were other, there were other sure. people in the movie who were much better. It was funny going to, it was uh, funny watching the searchers after I, the final scene of the Fablewoods, so. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It would have been. I kind of. I, I did. I did pay attention to the horizon line. I, now I want to watch more. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I want to watch more Spielberg yeah. and more John Ford movies to look for the horizon thing, which apparently that was like word for word. That makes sense. Conversation that, that makes sense. That Spielberg had with with, <laughs> with Ford. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, but I. I I've. I've seen a lot of people complaining about like about how kind of like artificial some of the stuff seemed in the movie, uh, which I think is I think is weird because I feel like the whole like first twenty minutes of the movie is all like it's all there to let us know right. what he's doing with this movie. It's like he's going to recreate the yeah. traumatic things yeah. so that he can control them. That's that's yeah. what the movie. That's what the whole movie is. <laughs> it literally tells you that it straight up tells you that in the uh -huh. first like ten minutes of the movie. And I don't I don't understand what what people aren't getting about that. I guess, maybe it, I mean I, you know maybe it just doesn't work for some people even if they realize that's what it's doing. But I yeah I was I was super into it. I mean that's it's exactly my kind of thing. Um, definitely made me want to go back and watch some. <laughs> It made me think stuff. there was some stuff in the fable that made while. me think a lot about um, about Spielberg's quotes about how he could never have made um, he could never have made uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind like after he had kids and stuff. 
Well, that he wouldn't have, at least that. Right. The, yeah, that it would have been significantly different. And I thought about that a lot in terms of like the things you make at different points in your life, but also in looking at this character who was, you know, supposed to be him, obviously. And like this, like sort of obsessive quality before. I don't know. It was just, it was just, and it definitely also made me want to revisit a lot of, a lot of Spielberg stuff. So. Well, yeah, it did. I mean, I, I, I've always been the way that particularly in his earlier movies, the way that family dynamics are portrayed in Spielberg movies has always yeah. been is very unique in a way that I could never quite put my finger on. Um, and, it, I, and in fact, I was thinking about this. I think part of the reason why E.T. never really worked for me as a kid, I didn't love that movie like a lot of people did, is because I think I found the portrayal of the family same, is very unsettling. same. And even when I watched it as an adult, like I, I didn't understand them because they were totally, they were so totally different from what I had experienced. I didn't understand what the dynamics were supposed to be. And I, I think the same thing. And watching it as an adult, I think the people they're they're and, really mean to each other in like a really like, yeah, right. No, I agree. And, and I, I felt the same way about Close Encounters when I first saw it, but I was older by the time I saw that. Yeah. And so I just found it interesting. Um, and I still find it really interesting. But, uh, and yeah, I still don't okay. love E.T. the way a lot of people do, even having watched it as an adult. But at any rate, watching this movie, it, I feel like clarifies a lot of like where Spielberg yeah. was getting his, uh, his, the, the tone with which he portrays family dynamics, yeah, particularly so in his older movies. Um, yeah, no, I, I loved it though. Mm -hmm. It's, it's fantastic. Um, uh, I watched weird, the Al Yankovic story. On, I was going to say, it's uh, only possible to watch that with ads, right? Like you can't. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is, it is a Roku original movie. Um, which I don't as far think as I know, so. the, the Roku channel did the uh, Zoe's extraordinary Christmas wrap up movie. I mean, it was it a movie. Kind of like it was a two-hour movie. It was it was what they used to wrap up the show. But it, it was a movie. Well, okay, but it's a it's a it's a show uh, finale, though, know. right? I mean, it's just I I don't know. I, I as far as I know, this is the only like you know like I don't maybe I'm being <laughs> snob about it. I don't know, but like movie movie with movie stars that they're advertising as a movie sure. that people should come watch. You know, like. Maybe Roku has more original content than I'm aware of, but this one I was seeing advertised all over the place. And partially, sure, of, course, of course, because I have yeah. Roku. So on all of the like <laughs> the Roku, you know, uh, sc blank uh, the screensaver yeah. screens and all that was all ads for the, yeah. Al the Al Yankovic story for a while. Um, at any rate, uh, so yeah, it's impossible to watch it without ads. I think Which so, is yes. a little bit annoying because Roku is the Roku channel's ad supported. I would have thought that for this, because it is like their first foray into like trying to make a major movie, that they maybe would have done it without ads. But nope, there's ads. <sighs> um, but it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, I suspect there's probably a lot more fun to be had for people who are like huge yeah. Weird Al fans, uh, which I'm not. I liked Weird Al as a kid. I definitely listened to some of his stuff as a kid, but I was never like an obsessive fan and I haven't really yeah. listened to any of his stuff in years now. Um, but there is a lot of really funny stuff in the movie. It's definitely worth checking out. I really liked Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, he's very funny. Um, and uh, what's her name is Madonna was also. Oh, I don't think I know who is the funny. 
Ever, oh, okay. Ever, okay. It was okay. Evan yeah, Mitchell Wood. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely worth uh, worth checking out. And you can watch it for free because the Just with ads. Free. <laughs> um, yeah, with ads. Uh, <clears throat> next up, I watched Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Um, wanted to watch more uh, yeah. Park Shan Wook after yeah. watching Decision to Leave. Uh, and I, I had seen this one once a long time ago, um, like uh-huh. 12 years ago, probably. Um, and I liked it. I liked it fine at the time. I, I definitely like it more now. Uh, it's uh, I mean, he has this is one of his earliest movies. He had a few things before this, but this is pre pre old boy. Um, it's I remember at the time being struck by the fact that it was, I'm pretty sure the first movie I'd ever Mm, seen that had a deaf protagonist. Although, although the protagonist kind of switches halfway through the movie, which is another interesting thing, but at least for the first half of the movie, the main, the protagonist character is deaf. And I think it's still the only movie I've ever seen with a deaf protagonist that is not about Uh the fact that the character is deaf. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Just a, you know, an interesting, uh, an interesting thing about it. Um, that, I don't, you know, I don't know why he decided to do that, and but yeah. it's cool. Yeah, absolutely. More people should do that. Um, May and I are planning on watching through the the whole Vengeance trilogy because Mubi put up nice. this one and also Lady Vengeance uh, after they because they, they're the ones releasing to yeah. believe in the U.S. So they're uh, they're putting up some of his older stuff. For some reason, they don't have Old Boy. Old Boy seems to be like I don't think there is a U.S. Blu-ray of it. And like it's never streaming for free anywhere. I don't know why, because that's like his. At least for a long time, it was his yeah. or his like best known movie. But it also seems to be his hardest to access, and I don't, I don't know why it's weird. Yeah, there must be a there must be a rights thing um, or something going on. <clears throat> Morgan has never seen any of the Vengeance trilogy. Um, yeah, just believe was their first Park Joe book. So at some point, we're gonna have to do that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. I do have it on DVD that I bought years and years ago but i haven't watched it in ages i don't know how right yeah watchable quality uh-huh. but uh hard to say um i did finally go see black panther black panther yeah, i see you were not that forever. impressed uh which was <laughs> yeah it was fine um it was a little weird that the it was about a, a group of blue people <laughs> live underwater that's true around on whales and stuff <laughs> Um, like I know that this, like these characters are from the comics, so like, you know, it is what it is. Timing wise, yeah, is yeah. just weird. Um, <laughs> I did. I was very thankful. The uh, so we have this guy who works at our movie theater here, who is like this yeah. super super <laughs> friendly older guy. He's probably like well, I think he's older than that, but yeah. And he's always super energetic, and maybe yeah i don't know he's always super energetic and friendly and he does a thing where anytime you're going into a movie that has like post credit yep. scenes or whatever he'll tell you you know stay till after the credits or with any of the marvel movies he'll tell you it's how, great. how many scenes there are going to be and i was very i was very thankful that he was the one tearing tickets when i went to see this because there is only one yep. there's one mid mid credit scene there's nothing at the end and he told me that so i did i did not sit and wait for 10 minutes same with avatar he so tore our ticket yesterday <laughs> and he was like nothing after the credits you're welcome to sit there if you want but nothing there and i was like okay thank you sir okay, yeah 
it is it's very He's useful great. like yeah i don't know that guy's That's name true. i should know his name i feel like he must know mine i don't know um i'm sure um, he wears yeah. a name tag you're probably right but, yeah. <laughs> anyway um <laughs> I yeah, mean, I think, no, I think sure all the employees right. wear name tags, so I'm sure he has one. But uh, at any rate, uh, there's definitely some cool stuff in this movie. Um, we get more Winston yeah. Duke in this one, which is cool. I really like him. Uh, the guy who played Namor was really good. I'd never seen him before. Actually, apparently I had. <laughs> apparently he was Inspector, which... Remember I, that. I yeah, that's fair. I don't remember him in that. Um, he probably had a small role. At any rate, he was really good. Um, and the whole, like they, they changed the, the, um, the origin of these, these underwater people from, uh, Atlanteans, which is what they are in the comics to, um, this group of people who, uh, Aztecs who escaped, uh, Spanish colonization. Um, and so they actually speak like the Aztec language and stuff, which like all that stuff's cool. It's, it's good details. Although once again we have a, a movie, the first movie had this problem too, where we have the whole climax of the movie is the different people of color fighting each other instead of yeah, that comics, is which, that's true. So that's it seems character. a little weird that they did it again. A lot of people complained about that after the first movie, so it seems a little weird that they did that again for the second one. But um, and like all the stuff with the the julie louis dreyfus and stuff. i didn't i didn't need any of that all of those scenes were terrible there was no reason for her to be in that movie um but uh you know there's there's some stuff in it that really works all the they did the thing in the the opening credits where they the the marvel logo thing where instead of getting the little shots of all of the characters in the marvel logo they made all of them yeah. chadwick boseman from from black panther yeah. that was that was cool didn't know that was coming. Uh, yeah, she Angela was Bassett fantastic. was great, yeah. obviously. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's not the worst of the Marvel movies, certainly. Uh, not even the worst yeah. this year, in fact, because <laughs> at least it was well, better certainly. than that fucking Thor movie. Um, but it, you know, it's it's fine. You're probably okay waiting for Disney Plus to watch it. It might even uh, yeah, be on Disney Plus sure already. I don't know. Uh, okay, so have you watched Athena, the uh, Netflix movie no. uh, from earlier this year? I have not. Okay, so I've heard a fair amount of talk about this movie as like this technical marvel because it's it's shot in like this series of long takes and it's about um, it's a French movie by a guy named Romain Gavras uh, about. Um, a uh, riot slash civilian uprising thing in a, a housing project after the uh, the police in the town um, kill a, a teenage boy, um, and so it's, it, he has like three older brothers, and it kind of follows them as that one of them is like a, one of the leaders of the the uprising, and one of them is a soldier in the French army who's trying to get everyone to calm down, and one of them is like a drug dealer guy who's. Uh, trying to hide out while the whole thing happens. Um, so there's, there, it, it is kind of a technical marvel. It has one of the best opening sequences, certainly of this year. Um, just really incredible stuff. I don't know how they did it. Uh, Must have used a lot of drones for a lot of it, and I'm sure there's some hidden cuts in there. But it's pretty breathtaking to watch. 
Um, it has one of the worst <laughs> okay. endings I've ever well. seen. Uh, like the ending, the last scene is as bad oh, as the wow, first okay. scene is good. Uh, it's just, it just, it felt like totally like, it felt like totally cowardly and like it undermined all of the, the messages of the whole rest of the movie. Oh. So <laughs> I haven't really seen many other people complaining about that. So I don't know, <laughs> maybe I missed something, but uh, it definitely ended up spoiling the movie for me to a large degree. Um, which, you know, it, it, until the last, like the last few minutes, it was, on course to end up on my best of the year list, I think, but it really, uh, it really undercuts itself in the end, in my opinion. Well, that's too bad. <laughs> um, but it is, it's, it's on, it's on Netflix. Um, and it's, uh, it's only 97 minutes long and there's, there is a lot of really cool, impressive stuff in it. Like, I mean, like several minute long take sequences of mm. chaos I mean, like battles between police and civilians and like hundreds of people and just the the mm. scale of it is incredible. And I, I have no idea how they managed to film it all. Um, so. OK, worth watching for that if it's if it's the kind of okay. thing you're interested in, I think. Um, then I went to see Bones and All. Which I'm I'm really glad that I I did catch that one. So fucking good, one. right? Um, <sighs> it's great. Uh, at this point, Guadagnino is definitely a guy who I'll, I'll see anything Same. that he does at this point. Um, uh, I kind of wish that his next project wasn't going to be a Scarface remake because I <laughs> hated the original Scarface. But um, you know, maybe he'll. Uh, I believe the the Coens okay. did the screenplay for it actually, so that's huh. that's interesting. Uh, although usually Cohen screenplays that end up being directed by someone else <laughs> don't go well. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but I, so I'm not sure what this. I don't know why this one. Because usually, at least, it seems like they're like throwaways. Like they write a screenplay and decide they don't like right. it, and give it to someone else to direct. <laughs> but I don't know. We'll see what happens with this one. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, Taylor Russell, who was yep. in that movie Waves, although I I, I also that out until after, really but I remember yeah. really liking her in that. So good, is so good in this movie. I mean, like Chalamet is the star, and he's kind of the the face on the poster that people are talking about and stuff. But it's it's he very is much also great movie. though. Uh, I mean, he's very good as well, and the whole supporting cast is very good. Um, Andre Holland. Is, is always good. And he, uh, Michael Stuhlbarg showing up in like the opposite of his role. Yeah. Call me yeah. By name. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that's absolutely terrifying. Also, uh, Mark uh, Rylance really. Yeah. A uh, very unsettling little uh, yeah, appearance yeah. by Chloe Savini. David Gordon Green. Um, it's, it's, it's a big cast. <laughs> yeah. It is definitely like I, you know, I, it, I like came out of the movie like thinking about I need to I need to buy this when it comes yeah. out so I can watch it again. Um, it's so beautiful. It's ugh. and it, it, it and it feels like the kind of thing that could have been. It probably would have been much yeah. easier to do it wrong, you know, like because I mean it's based on a YA novel, which isn't you know that's that's not like necessarily a strike against it. But there have been a lot of not very good YA adaptations Absolutely. in the last decade. <laughs> um, and it, this could have easily gone in a 
a much less compelling direction, I think. Um, but this, I mean, I watched this movie later in the same day after watching Athena. And this movie also has one of the most memorable yeah, it sure does. <laughs> that I've seen all year in a, in a very, like a completely different way. But like, I was like, you get like this several minute opening sequence and then you get the title shot. And I was just like, yeah, holy shit, <laughs> like breathless. Like this is, this is what we're in for with this movie. I'm and it's so, so it's, I mean, um, like it's, it's very beautiful. I think there's all sorts of, like, it doesn't easily map on to like anything in particular. Although I think that you can certainly like, attach it to mm -hmm. you know aids and queerness and like all sorts of things um it does feel like a very queer story to me but of course that's in my lens um but mm -hmm. like it's it's also remarkably really romantic is, is it <laughs> mm -hmm. i agree yeah. <laughs> which is honestly not not a descriptor i use yeah, in very many movies it's unusual for me to find like the romance to be the piece that like pulls me, but this is really romantic along with a lot of other things. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. I, I think that's something that Guadagnino does. Obviously, I mean, yeah. obviously call me by your name. It's like one of the sort of landmark romances from, uh, yeah. Uh, recent years. Um, but yeah, I, it, you know, it does, I mean, it, it tracks pretty well with like the yeah. sort of lovers on the run subgenre. Um, so they're, you know, they're, they spend most of the movie traveling and most of the other people in the movie are people that they encounter for like one scene or two yeah. scenes and then they move on somewhere else. Um, and you know, that's not like that, that is a thing you can find in other movies. Um, but I feel like often with those movies, the, the romance angle is more like, um, it's mm -hmm. less healthy. <laughs> uh, which seems like an odd about the cannibal name, romance movie to call it this. No, yeah, exactly. But you know, you have like, um, uh, like Badlands, for example. You you usually have at least one of them being right. like an outright sociopath. Uh, Badlands would be an obvious example, but even yeah. like Bonnie and Clyde. No, this is. Uh, I mean, part of the reason that I don't often find things romantic at this point in my life is because what I think is most romantic is when you can see the two characters like make each other better like they are together in a way where they are like hmm. they are better because they are together they are making something more than the sum of their parts functionally right like and like honestly that's mm -hmm. really rare in my opinion like most a lot of like romance smoothies and stuff and especially of this sort like you're saying are really focused on like on like some pretty unhealthy dynamics but like these people are better mm -hmm. because they're together <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's really beautiful <laughs> and sad <laughs> yeah i agree i was so glad I'm you loved it I, when I, <laughs> I agree also with your tweet by the way why are more people not talking about it i'm so confused as to why i haven't seen that much yeah i don't get it either it seems like it has kind of flown under the radar uh especially because i mean you know why aren't people right? excited about a new guadagnino thing no I don't get it. Like every call me by your name was such a big deal in like film circles. And I know his Suspiria remake was kind well, of, and I think call me by your name has of course, although I really love, I really the conversation one, of it because of the army hammer of it all. But like, I don't know. I, it's a puzzle. I mean, I guess, but like, no, that doesn't make doesn't. the movie worse. It just, yeah, no, I agree. I was really, I was really confused that I hadn't yeah. heard more about it. Hope, hopefully it'll, yeah, hopefully it'll find sure. its audience eventually, but it doesn't seem to have it doesn't seem yeah. to have landed in the right place yet i don't know why 
Um, and then yesterday I watched another uh, Netflix movie. I still haven't gotten to that, Wonder, but I do want to. Which I had never heard of that movie until I saw one of the little like Netflix screensaver ad things for it. And I was like, oh, hey, is that Florence Pugh? I haven't heard of this. And she's an actress that I'm always interested in. So I looked it up. And it is Florence Pugh, and it's directed by Sebastian Lilio, who did Disobedience, which is one of my favorite yeah, movies of the right. last several years. Uh, so I was like, okay, obviously i got to watch that one. And it's about uh, this nurse who goes, who is brought in to, to observe this girl in this Irish village who reportedly hasn't eaten in months, but is, like, fine and healthy. And it's, like, this, this thing that, like, the religious people want investigated as a possible okay. miracle. So that's yeah. pretty much up my alley too. <laughs> this is very interesting. Um, and I, I liked it. Uh, it obviously Florence Pugh is great. Uh, it has Tom Burke in it, who I know from uh, Souvenir. Right, right, uh, right. Yeah, from a few years ago, Joanna Hogg's Souvenir. He was great in that, uh, and he's he's pretty good in this. Um, yeah, it's it's not it's not like disobedience good. Yeah, in my opinion, I think I love that movie more than Very possibly, possibly yes. anyone else. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know why, but <laughs> but uh, it's it's good though. It, it's um, it's a it's a complicated movie, and I, I'm not I'm not totally sure uh, that it all lands correctly. Mm. Um, and I'd, I'd be I'd be very curious to hear your thoughts about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, maybe next week or this week. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I I really liked it, and it is it's on Netflix. It has a it has a weird like framing device thing that is it's kind of it's it's basically the same thing that or it's a similar thing to what um uh oh what's it called the that that HBO miniseries from last year that was the the remake of the the Bergman series oh yeah marriage story. yeah marriage or no marriage um marriage yeah i know what you're talking about um i did scenes from a marriage yeah scenes I from a marriage scenes from a marriage yeah uh it has a similar yet. oh you I didn't watch that no oh, okay well that one did a weird thing at the start of every episode where it starts with one of the actors offset huh, going okay. to set and you see them go into the set and get mic'd up and everything and get finishing touches put on their makeup and then they go into the set and the shot holds on them and then the scene starts. Um, and this movie has kind of a similar thing where like it starts with a shot of a soundstage that okay. ends across different aspects of the soundstage into uh, a set that is the, 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 the belly of a ship that she's traveling across to Ireland in. Um, and I don't I'm not totally sure that it works. I don't totally understand what the point mm. of it was in the movie. Uh but so like that that and there's so that there's a few things like that and there's a little bit of like fourth wall breaking related to that in the movie that I I'm okay. just not sure that it worked. I don't yeah, but the movie uh, it's the movie itself I think mostly works. So <clears throat> um and obviously Florence Pugh is great. She's always great. Uh, and then last night I watched The Lion King, the the, the animated right. one, not the live action one. Uh, for the for, for the first time in in quite a few years, the, this Lion King's always been like my favorite yeah. animated movie. Um, 
it's the first movie that I remember ever seeing in a theater. Uh, and I guess I've, it was one of the first movies that we bought when we got a TV when we were kids. Um, and it's always been one of my favorites, but I hadn't watched it in years and years. And was quite relieved to find out that it still pretty much entirely works for me. It's it's very nearly a perfect movie. Um, has some of my favorite like voice performances ever. Obviously, James Earl Jones as, as Mufasa is great, but uh, um, Ernie Sabella as Pumbaa is still still <laughs> definitely one of my one of my favorite my favorite voice performances ever. He's so good. Uh, and the guy, the guy who voices Rafiki too, uh, can't remember his name. I think he died recently, didn't he? Unsure. Robert Guillaume. Yeah. Oh, he died in 2017, I guess. So it's been a few years, but he's also great. Um, it's really beautiful. Obviously. Of course. Music is great. Yeah. So I was, I was kind of relieved that that one, because so there are definitely some animated movies that I loved as a kid that I watched them now and it's like, eh. Right, yeah. You know, like the, the Incredibles, yeah. for example, which was like one of my favorite animated movies when I was a kid and I watch it now and it's like, oh, this is right. propaganda. <laughs> um, so, and, you know, The Lion King is not without its, like, you know, it's sort of like unquestioning embrace of monarchy as a societal system is a little weird, but obviously that's that's a very literal reading that you don't there's there's you don't right. have to take that <laughs> uh okay that's it for movies um we talked about the white lotus uh may and i have been watching um large oh, shit. kingdom the second because uh cuz movie is putting up yeah. the new season of it uh right now i think they're in the middle of it so they put up the previous two seasons as well. They've they've like remastered them and stuff. Um, so far, we've only watched two episodes. Uh, it's there are two seasons of four episodes each, um, and we've only watched the first two so far. Um, but it's 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 very entertaining. I didn't remember how funny yeah. the whole thing is. Like, which it shouldn't surprise me because Von Trier he's funny, yeah, 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 very funny as a director. And he has his he has his little yeah. thing where he shows up at the end like a little every fucking elf. To like give his sweet little like I hope you enjoyed <laughs> our our episode. <laughs> it's very funny, um, but the show itself is also very funny, um, and you know unsettling. There is this one episode. There's one scene. I think it's in one of the first few episodes. You probably already watched it, or at least maybe remember it, where someone like is in an elevator and they like look up and there's like a ghost looking down at them. Yeah, that that was the okay, end. That's, what I that's the end of the. First uh, but episode. when we watched it, or shortly thereafter, I was working at the medical center doing records, and we had this creepy elevator. And that is one of the few horror movies where, or like horror things, where like <laughs> it consists. Like I never didn't think of it. When I got Interesting. It yeah. stuck with me. <laughs> okay. Um. I, I don't think there's. I think that's the only other TV thing I was going to mention. Uh, it seems to be there's yeah. a bit of a lull right now. Taking a break before Christmas. Um, um, I will say not in not so yeah, in I think that's uh, movie things specifically, but in other media uh, related to our film pick, um, is that I would recommend that everyone go on Spotify and look up. Uh, Silent Night by Annika Norlin. 
um, which I will link in the show notes. Um, it's a very, very beautiful song, part of the uh, collaboration a few years ago between uh, Jens Lechman and, and Annika and Annika, Annika Norland, um, and where they were like writing songs back and forth to each other every month for the year, uh, which has generally created an album that I still fucking love. Uh, but the final one was by Annika, uh, where she writes about she writes about the song Silent Night, and it's it's a really beautiful. Uh, and it brings up the Christmas, the Christmas Eve uh, laying down of farms as well. And it's just a really, really beautiful song. It's a lovely thing to listen to this time of year. So just throwing that out there. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I don't I, think I, I know will, I will send you a link. Um, hmm. But, uh, yeah, so I just, you know, I hope everyone has very good holidays. Um, and when we come back next time, we'll be talking about other things. <laughs> Yeah. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas everyone. We'll we'll see you in Absolutely. I will say also just real quickly, Joel and I were talking about doing like our best of like we've done. We may hold off on that. Yeah, yeah. we'll do it at some point. Uh I think did we do it during I the think first we episode did, yeah. of the year last year? Yeah, I think I had done a better job of keeping up with movies throughout the year last mm-hmm. year than I have this year and we talked about it briefly after we recorded the last one and I was like I've only seen like 42 <laughs> movies from 2022 and it seems yeah. like to make a top 10 where a quarter of the movies I saw are going to be on. Maybe we'll do like a special episode. Pick 10 Maybe we'll do like a special like episode like around the time of the Oscars where we do like our, where just like the whole episode is just like our predictions and our top 10 of the year or something like that. Yeah, that's not so, a bad idea. Anyway, yeah. but so don't be expecting that, tens of listeners. I know you are concerned, um, but we will be back in the new year uh, and ready to ready to go. <laughs> All right, Indeed. bye everyone. Bye. bye.